You're listening to the Stay Sore Podcast. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Bo Skitsko. Welcome to the Stay Sore Podcast. I have the huge pleasure to have with me here today Mike Milner, a diet coach from Neurotype Training, the founder of Pop Nutrition or Pop Dieting. He's going to explain it better. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, Bo. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, let's set the context really quick. We have never talked before. I really don't know you that well, but I know you from social media. Your posts caught my attention. You always post about nutrition, and you're trying to break the status quo, and I love it because it makes people think, and I asked you to come on the show, and thank you for being here. So you guys guessed it. We're going to talk about nutrition. So, Mike, as a nutrition coach for over 10 years from what I've read, um, what do you think are like three to five things that people misunderstand, make mistakes, mess up? And then more importantly, what are actionable tips on how to fix it so people can lose weight, at least the people that want to lose weight? So let's go, Mike. Yeah, so I think the best place to start with some common mistakes is, number one, thinking that they need to cut calories really low. We've been told our whole lives that Weight loss happens as a result of eating less, which, yes, that can create weight loss. However, it's a very slippery slope if you play that game because when you cut calories lower and lower, your body continues to adapt, and it doesn't adapt in a very positive way. It creates a lot of negative side effects from uh, downregulation of your metabolism to downregulation of your thyroid to sex hormone issues to mood issues to hunger issues, cravings, all of the side effects that you don't want, (laughs) and that's a natural survival thing that your body is doing. It's an adaptive mechanism because your body's number one responsibility is to keep you alive. So a lot of people, when they are trying to lose weight and they're cutting calories really low, they're like, why is my body fighting against me? It's not. It's doing exactly what it was designed to do to keep you alive. Uh, So that's the first mistake is is trying to be uh, too restrictive in your approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, So what would be be the fix to that so we stay on that topic? Yeah, so in order to fix that, I would say let's start with in in, in reframing the mindset from how little do I have to eat to see progress to how much can I eat while still seeing progress. And the way that we go about that is by finding what your true maintenance is. I think a lot of people jump into this process and they just go right to the calorie restriction instead of taking time to learn what their body needs to just sustain itself to you know, be able to recover effectively from training to have more energy throughout your day. Um, and so starting with what does your actual maintenance look like without being tied to losing weight on the scale? And and the reason why that's so effective is you'll you'll be pleasantly surprised with how much you can actually eat and still maintain your current weight, which allows you to then lose weight without having to go so restrictive uh, with your, you know, with your calories or macros. And and honestly, some people don't even have to track calories or macros. You could just look at food quality. You can look at movement. Uh, you can mm-hmm. just start walking more. So um, those are some of the things where if we start with the mindset of how much can I eat versus how little do I have to eat, um, that's, a, that's a huge uh, reframe that, that makes a world of difference. Second mistake I would say is uh, thinking that cardio is the most effective tool for fat loss. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that one. Yeah. Again, cardio, there's nothing wrong with cardio. It's great for cardiovascular health, heart health. Uh, You know, it it releases endorphins and and some, you know, neurochemicals that are beneficial. 
However, for, for weight loss specifically, it's pretty ineffective because when you do cardio, your body gets more efficient at doing cardio. So if you're using it as a tool to burn calories, eventually doing the same amount of cardio over and over again, your body's going to adapt and you're going to burn less and less calories doing that. Because your body gets more efficient with it. Becomes more efficient. And the objective is really to be inefficient with calories because I want my calorie burn to happen when I'm not doing anything. And the way mm -hmm. that we accomplish that, the fix is we prioritize strength training, lifting weights, and building muscle. Uh, the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn at rest. The more that you're strength training, the more that your, your body has to burn extra calories to repair the damage that you're doing when you're in the gym and, and lifting and resistance training and doing things like that. Uh, so thinking that cardio is the best tool for fat loss is a huge mistake. Cardio should be used as something that you enjoy doing or something that you're just doing for cardiovascular health or heart health mm -hmm. should not be the main driver of your weight loss and fat loss efforts. And that's another thing that, that we can, you know, set the, the stage with is that weight loss and fat loss are not the same thing. When you're just doing cardio and you're eating very little, you're going to be targeting weight loss. And that weight loss can be in the form of muscle. It can be in the form of tissue. It can be a water loss. Um, fat loss is what most people want, where you're specifically targeting body fat. That's when we get into, you know, strength training, resistance training, being more effective for targeting fat loss because you're using your muscles. So your body's not going to break that down and get rid of your muscle like it would if you're only doing cardio. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I talk to my clients, I try to explain to them when you, let's say you run on the treadmill or you run outside, the second you stop running, that's where you stop burning those few extra calories. But with strength training, if the next two, three days you are sore, that's where your body needs more calories to repair and to recover you. So which one burns more calories? And then later on, which one makes you look more defin defined, more, let's just use the generic term, toned and stuff like that. So there is a big difference there. I love that one. So what's the next one? Yeah, so number three, I'll give you uh, the biggest mistake is thinking that nutrition and training are the only two levers that you have to pull in order to improve body composition or lose weight. Uh, yes, they are two main drivers, but mm -hmm. the issue that I have with that is we're ignoring where we actually get better, which is when we're sleeping and when we're recovering. Uh, so missing out on sleep and stress and the lifestyle variables that play a role in this whole process is a huge mistake. Thinking that all I need to do is you know, take care of my nutrition, control my calories and, and train effectively, uh, that will certainly help. But if you're sleeping four hours a night, if you're chronically stressed, if your lifestyle is a mess, if you're, you know, maybe using alcohol as a coping mechanism, you're not, you're going to be climbing an uphill battle. You're going to be, you know, kind of doing more damage and, and doing more harm in the long run. So uh, I think a, a big mistake is thinking that this is just about training and nutrition, when in reality, anytime we want to get better at anything, whether that's learning a skill, learning a language, playing an instrument, um, becoming stronger, looking better, it happens while we're sleeping. It happens during the recovery process. And so I think a lot of people ignore the fact that sleep and stress management and your lifestyle uh, plays a huge role in how your body's going to change. Absolutely. Have you, I, I don't know if you have read the book. I just finished reading a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. 
it's uh, one of the leading scientists on sleep, and it, that's exactly that. Sleep is, uh, you get stronger, you get fitter, you lose weight, you improve your memory, your coordination, absolutely everything while we sleep. I, I'm happy you mentioned that. Uh, the concept of overtraining versus under-recovering. So you, you got to pay attention to recovery if you want to get better at training and stuff and nutrition. Love it. Love it. And we can keep going. Those are, those are like my big three. Um, another big mistake that I would say is trying to, to rush the process. This was something that I experienced personally. When, when I first started my journey, it was like, how quickly can I get the weight off? How fast can I make this happen? And ultimately what that leads to is fad diets and chronic dieting and doing extreme things that aren't very helpful for your long-term results and your overall health and well-being. Uh, so, I mean, that's a big one is we got to play the long game. If you want results for life, then we should be looking at everything we're doing through that lens of, can I see myself doing this forever? Is this something that I can incorporate into my life forever? Uh, we're not playing a three-month game or a one-month game. We're playing a hopefully many, many years game or however long you're alive. And that's like, you know, that's, that's really the goal is, is to do this in a way that's sustainable, that's enjoyable. And I think a lot of us, uh, you know, we live in this instant gratification society where we want everything now and, and immediately and on demand. And it's really just trying to get out of that mindset and thinking about the long-term implications uh, and, and what you really want to accomplish for the rest of your life. Yes, yes, uh, I, I love that because because uh, I feel like those all those diets, especially magazines, uh, flat belly in four weeks or something like that, it it creates a very disappointing idea in people's heads where I'm I, they don't see immediate results and then they start giving up. So long term, absolutely is key. Now let me ask you this: since I have a nutrition coach on here, how do you feel about? Uh, tracking your macros, or at least tracking your food items and sort of kind of eyeballing uh, portions and stuff. Because one of the most, let's just say, proven ways of losing weight is actually being in a slight deficit. Like you said, it, it doesn't have to like be a deep hole. But what, what do you, how do you feel about tracking? Yeah, so I always preface it by saying tracking macros, tracking calories is just one tool in the toolbox. And mm -hmm. any tool can be used for good or it can be used for bad. And, you know, just like a mm -hmm. hammer is not inherently good or bad. If you're trying to drive a nail into some wood, a hammer can be really effective. If you're trying to screw in a screw, a hammer is probably not the best tool to use. Uh, so I always preface it by saying there's nothing inherently right or wrong about tracking macros or calories. It can be really useful when we talk about application to create awareness around what you're eating, how much you're eating, the composition of your meals, what types of foods you respond to, make sure you're getting in enough protein, make sure you're getting in enough fruits and veggies, things like that. Having that awareness, like the, the analogy that I love to give, if, if, if you were struggling with managing your finances, it would be really useful just to take a look at your spending habits and how much money you have coming in and how much you have going out. And that's kind of similar to the way that I look at, at tracking macros and tracking calories. It just gives us an awareness piece to be able to be more specific and intentional about our quote unquote food budget and understanding those things and, and knowing how to read food labels. And, and there's a whole lot of, of learning that can come with it. Now, the dark side is sometimes it becomes obsessive. And again, it's not inherently right or wrong. It's just the wrong application in, in the wrong hands 
can can go to a dark place. So some people who are perfectionists, who have obsessive like tendencies, who have certain personality characteristics, they mind they might find tracking macros is very stressful. It's consuming. They have they feel like they have to be perfect. It, it takes up you know a lot of mental energy. It creates disordered eating behaviors. You know they find themselves anxious if they can't track something. Those are all the negative possibilities. I think that if we can approach it in with the right frame of mind, it can be a really useful tool to help people move in the right direction. I think for most people having, even if it's just 30 days, like if you look at the big picture. Yes, what's, what's yes, 30, yes. That's exactly what I say. What's 30 days? Track for 30 days for learning, for, for understanding food, because people say things like, oh, I had my protein, I had peanut butter or something like that. That that will teach you to understand what your food is made out of, and it's 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 like the university of nutrition. Track for thirty days, you'll know exactly why things work or why things exactly. don't work. Very good learning. Yeah, too. I completely agree. I just think that taking that time and you know, in the grand scheme of things, hopefully you have many, many, many months to live, and one month of tracking is is not the end of the world. So I think for even for people who are a little bit resistant to doing it, it's worthwhile just for the education and the learning side of things and. And yeah, like everybody has that, that moment, which is usually a very depressing moment where they start tracking macros and they realize that a serving of serving size of peanut butter is way smaller than they thought. And they look at how many calories they're <laughs> right, actually right, consuming right. from things like that. It, it can be really useful. Yeah. And then it turns out cereal is not that great for you and you're never going to eat just one serving, exactly. right? So, uh, Mike, I just want to be this, this podcast to be very applicable in real life. So if a person is very frustrated and just quote unquote, nothing works and I'm trying to lose weight or more so body fat, that would be the right word wording. What is your one, two or three like immediate tips? Where do you start if a person is frustrated and doesn't know what to do next? Yeah, well, I always like to start with where they're at. Like, let's, let's understand what's currently happening and and what you're currently doing because a lot of times we assume or we just think you know I'm, I'm doing all the quote-unquote right things but then I call it the onion effect when we start to peel back the layers of the onion we realize that there's a lot of things that are actually not going so well maybe it's poor sleep quality maybe it's they're chronically trying to under eat you know like they looked on my fitness pal and it told them to eat 1200 calories. So they're trying to eat 1200 calories and they think that, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything I can, but it's not working, but maybe the 1200 calories is causing them to, to binge on the weekends or it's causing them to overindulge at night. And, you know, so, so really the first step is to assess everything that you're doing and being fully honest about it. Uh, the foods that you're eating, your consistency, how many calories are you eating on a daily basis? So just take inventory of your current lifestyle, habits, nutrition, training. Uh, from there, I like to keep things really, really simple. The basics are tried and true. They've, they've worked and have stood the test of time. Things like walking more. Uh, so again, look at what you're currently doing from a step count standpoint. If you're walking 5,000 steps a day, if you increase that to 7,500 steps a day, you're going to see you're going to see progress. You're going to see a difference. Uh, if you're eating too little protein, like that's another easy thing to change. Where if you should be eating 150 grams of protein, if you're targeting right around you know one gram per pound of body weight, or if you have a significant amount of weight to lose, look at one gram per pound of of your goal weight. 
as a starting point, and let's say that number should be 150 grams of protein, and you spend some time tracking and you're at 75 grams, well, now we've got some room to grow. And I don't recommend going 75 to 150, but maybe you go from 75 to 90 grams of protein, then 100 grams of protein, you gradually start eating more, you're going to notice a difference. Um, you know, again, if we look at sleep, so it always depends and, and people hate that answer because it's not as direct, but it always depends on the individual. I could take 10 different people who are frustrated and they're saying nothing's working for me. And I could have 10 different answers as to what that individual needs to do for one person. It might be increasing your steps for another person. It might be starting some resistance training for another person. It might be eating more protein for another person. It might be increasing calories. Another person, it might be drinking more water. So when I look at the basics, I look at movement, I look at training, I look at your protein and total calories, I look at your sleep and your stress, um, and then I look at your overall lifestyle, like the, the routines and habits that you have in your life. And if we can look at those five things, for the most part, we're going to find the low-hanging fruit somewhere. Let's start with one simple change, see how you respond, see how the results start coming in, and then we just layer on the next thing from there. Got it. Any easy tricks or tips on how to battle cravings? 90% of the time when somebody is having intense craving, it's because they're under eating for too long. They're either in too much of a deficit or they're eliminating foods that they, that they really enjoy. And they think, I can't eat a cookie or I can't eat a piece of candy or I can't eat whatever they have. Uh, you know, they have a preconceived notion that they can't eat certain things. So most mm -hmm. of the time, if we take care of your total calorie amount and we make sure that you're not chronically under eating, if we make sure that you're eating enough protein, and if you're incorporating the foods you love in moderation, that will take care of 90% of cravings. The other 10% can be from dehydration and vitamin and mineral deficiency. So looking at, are we getting in enough fruits and veggies? Are we getting in enough omega-3s? Are we eating a wide variety of, of colorful veggies and making sure that we don't have any you know, glaring holes in vitamin and mineral deficiency. So if we take care of those things, um, most of the time, that's like 99% of the way there. Uh, there can be some extenuating circumstances, but again, that's, that's, very, uh, that's very rare. Most of the time, if we do those things, the cravings will dissipate. I, I find that Uh, maybe you're going to disagree or agree. I find that actually a lot of it, yes, some comes from in deficiencies that you have to make up for and your body sends you cravings. But a lot of times I also find it's habit-based. You're okay, you're okay, then you sit down in front of TV and all of a sudden click. I need to chew on something. So we have to break some habits and maybe replace the bad snack with a good snack or eat a meal before you sit down. Like I just talked to a client of mine and there they were supposed to go tonight to a movie theater and he's saying like, oh, I already know I'm going to crave popcorn. And I told him like eat dinner before the movie, not after, you know, uh, so you can create uh, some some changes knowing that you have yeah, that it habit. It can definitely come as, as a habitual response or a stress response or a boredom response. Um, so it, it can absolutely be more of that type of a, it's, it's more of a, a mental, like your, your brain has made this connection that movies equal popcorn. And so now you're getting that signal yeah. of, oh, I'm going to a movie. My brain associates that with popcorn. So now I'm craving popcorn. So again, that is where we have to create kind of like a new wiring in your brain with a new habit and a new way of doing things. And it's going to be uncomfortable at first, 
But just like anything else, the more reps that you do, the easier it becomes. And then you'll no longer associate, like you just break that cycle, you insert something a little bit more positive, and you'll break that, uh, that natural inclination that every time I go to the movies, I have to eat popcorn. Yeah, Mike, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And I just wanted to pick uh, a nutrition coach's brain. Thank you for sharing your ideas, thoughts, and tricks. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do, what your company yeah, stands absolutely. for? I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, the best place to find me on social media is Instagram, which is uh, the handle is at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. And if you want to check out my, my business, it's uh, the website is neurotypetraining.com. And there's a ton of resources on there. Awesome. Guys, I would strongly suggest signing up uh, or following Mike on Instagram because those posts will bother you in a good way. They're going to make you think and you're going to hear that little voice throughout the day, which sometimes we need, I think. Mike, thank you so much. Hope you have a great day. Guys, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to Mike. See you in the next one. Thank you. Thank you.